I was so anxious to get up here that I forgot she, my wife still had to do announcements. Um, I want to do something uh, different this morning right before we, before we get ready for the message. Uh, our country is in turmoil. Our country is in turmoil. Our, our world is in turmoil. It has been for a long time. But we need, as a church, we need to pray. But also, um, we need to pray for the Jairus family. It's, once again, we're in this battle, Landon is, is, is really going through a tough time. And with that, is so is his parents, and so is his extended family. And so what I want to do is I want um, two, we're going to have two prayer times going on at the same time, just for, at the beginning of the service. And I want, if you, if you would be willing and just wanting to, and if you don't want to get up and come forward, that's fine. Stay where you're at and pray. But if you would be willing to pray for, for Landon, um, gather here with my wife, right here, okay? And then if you say, I want to pray, I want to pray for our country. I want to pray for what's going on in our country right now. Then let's gather over here. All right, Brady Rogers, where are you at? Brady, if you would be, if you'd be the lead guy over here. Okay, and so just two groups of people. We're praying for Landon over here. We're praying for our country over here. My wife said she was approached at the YMCA the other day, and a lady asked her, does your church pray? And she was like, well, yeah, I mean, we pray every time we get together. She was like, no, do you really pray? Well, today we're going to really pray, all right? And so we are called to pray. So for our, for our nation, for our country, and I want people just to, Brady's going to lead it, but other people just lead out and pray out loud. Trish, you can lead this, huh? So our nation, you can stay right where you're at and pray too, but just a specific time of prayer for these two particular causes, and as they're, as they're doing their thing, um, my wife was just given kind of an overview. Landon is four years old, and he was diagnosed with leukemia. The good news is it's treatable, but it's treatable over a long period of time, like three years. And so the family, is, it's a cycle of he does great, and then he, his immune system goes down, he gets an infection, and he gets sick again. They have to immediately go back to the hospital. It's a minimum of 48 hours when they get there. It's been, I think we're on day eight or nine or something like that now. And he's in the same room, can't leave the room. So his family in and out. And so, uh, so we're just praying that God would uh, teach them what he wants to teach them and, and heal him so that he can be free. So they can come back to church. So they can be here with us. I'd really rather them be here, obviously, than in a, hotel, in a hospital room somewhere. And then, and then this group, we're praying. We're praying for our nation. We're praying that love would win. <laughs> love would win. And so right where you're at, just pray. I opened up my Bible and I found a little note that I had wrote that says, fear is the enemy of faith. So, we're just asking that God would take away any fear that we have, fear of this sickness ending in death, fear of just total chaos overrunning our country. Fear of the lives of those who are in law enforcement. Fear of the lives who, of people who look differently than we look. 
So don't let fear overcome your faith. So ask God to fill you with faith, trust, and not fear. We'll continue to pray. If you have a bulletin, get your bulletin out real quick. Let me see that one, Emma. Grab your bulletin. If you have it, I want you to read with me what our mission is. Okay? Read it. If you, do you have one? Do you guys have one? That was the only one you had. <laughs> this was it. <laughs> All right. If you have it, as a Christ-centered community, our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father. Okay? I want you to think about that first part of our mission statement is the vertical beam of the cross. That is, it's our relationship with God. A space where people can experience the compassionate love of the Father. And we talked about that last week when we were talking about we were created for Him, for worship, for His purposes. And so that's that first piece. And the second piece of our mission statement says, and to discover the calling He has their life that's the vertical beam of the cross that's the second piece that's what we're going to be talking about today we we were created we were formed for God's family we were created for one another we were created to be in relationship with each other so first in relationship with God and ultimately you really have to learn to love him first and be loved by him if you're effectively going to love other people don't try to love somebody else without the love of God in your heart. Don't do it because it will not turn out well. It, it'll end up being self-centered love. What can I get for, from you kind of love. It won't be what can I do for you kind of love. So last week we, are, we began this series of talking about what is our purpose of life. The five purposes that come from this study of the purpose-driven life. And last week was our focus on worship. We were planned for God's pleasure, by Him, for Him. And Tony, our worship leader, did an excellent job as he introduced this idea that worship is more than just a musical style. It's more than just your favorite type of worship at church or your favorite type of music. It's more than a, a, a genre of music. He said worship is a lifestyle. It is loving God first over everything and everyone else. And everything that we do can be offered as worship to God. They were worshiping God as they prayed. You can worship God as you, as you work, as you um, just come and go about your business. You can worship God just in breathing in and out. Worship is a lifestyle. And the greatest thing that we can worship God with is ourselves. He gave us this life, the best thing we can do is turn around and give it back to him. Say, you, it's a gift from you. My gift, God, is my life back to you. The Lord invites us to be living sacrifices in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And in order to sacrifice something, we must be willing to surrender. I know in my small group on Wednesday night, we talked a lot about what does it look like to surrender Nobody really truly enjoys that word. If you are a member of the military, that's not in your vocabulary. We're not going to surrender. We're not going to give up. But in the Christian life, surrender means victory. 
giving up your life actually means you're going to gain your life. Jesus surrendered to the will of his Father and in that process experienced grave-conquering power and death-defeating victory in his willing to give up his rights. I love last week where Tony acknowledged that music is what pulls him in and points him up. I want you to consider, as we just begin our time together today, what pulls you in? What draws you to God and points you to him? And I love, it is, it is a variety of answers as, as is we are a variety of people in this room. It could be anything. There could be some, somebody could tell you it's whatever it is that draws them in and you may be like, what? That's crazy. What is, no, that's okay. It's, it's different. It's not wrong. It's just different. It's just their opinion and their, it's the thing that draws them in. It's the thing that they love the most. I, I, I researched the classical piece that Tony was talking about last week. It was beautiful, but it's not necessarily what draws me in, you know, and that's okay. His, what he played on his guitar drew me in. That was beautiful, but so it's, it's just different. So I want you to think about that. What pulls you in and points you up? We hope, we hope that when you come to church, it pulls you in and points you up. I mean, we hope that is, that is the case. So last week we looked up, today we're going to look around. Today we want to unpack the meaning and the benefits of what biblical fellowship looks like. You were formed for God's family. You were fashioned for friendship, in a sense. You were fashioned for relationship. There's a word that some of you have heard before. It's a Greek word that, that, is, that goes along with this idea of fellowship. It is the word koinonia, koinonia, okay? Now, wouldn't you know that this particular word is a, is a feminine word? It's a feminine noun. Because girls are just better at fellowship than guys are. I mean, that doesn't make sense, right? Because it's fellow, it's fellowship, <laughs> fellows that are hip, right? No, it is, guys aren't that great at it, but women are really good at this. It's based on this idea of what we share in common. It's a partnership where both parties actively participate. Okay, I think there's, there's some key, key thoughts there. Both parties actively participating. There is a beneficial communication and there's a sweet communion with each other. There's a contribution and a reception. There's give and there's take. Maybe you've been in a relationship before where it felt like all you were doing was giving. And you were not getting anything in return. Maybe you've been in church. And you feel like all I do is just give. I give my time and I give my money and I give my heart. And it seems like I can never get anything back. Well, can we just go back to the first sentence of the book? And this is going to be an ouch factor for some of us. It's not about you. <laughs> That's what the book says. Ultimately, who is it about? It's about him. But in relationship, there's got to be 
There's got to be some giving. You've got to receive something in the relationship. Otherwise, it's not going to be very fruitful. You're, you're not going to be able to sustain it very long. So there's got to be this beneficial give and take. The first occurrence of this koinonia as spoken about is in Acts chapter 2. This, this passage of Scripture, I've read it several times. It's kind of the center of what it is that our church is, is built on. And it's in, our, it's in our bylaws as part of our vision for our church. We want to be a church like in Acts chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 42. We'll unpack this again. So you can turn there if you want, if you have your Bible. Acts 2, 42. 2.42. And the title of, in my Bible, anyway, it says the fellowship of the believers. All right, so the koinonia, the active participation, the investment, the giving and the taking of those who are believers in Jesus. Okay, so when they say, and they, you could say, and we devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's a sense of, of uh, commitment to coming and to learning and to receiving as the apostles do, as the teacher teaches. And the fellowship. They devoted themselves to this active participation in doing life together. They were devoted to it. They were devoted to the breaking of bread and to the prayers as we, as we gathered to pray. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and, mirac- and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed, it says, were together. They had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and, they, and their belongings and distributing, distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. As any had a need, they took care of each other. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food. There was a sense that they, listen, there was a sense they depended upon each other for everything. Down to their daily bread, they depended upon one another for this life that they were living. In that culture, it would be called a kinship group. It would be called a group of people that you lived in community with. Our world has destroyed this idea in some ways by the invention of the garage door. There's no more getting out of your vehicle. Hey, John, how you doing? Good to see you. John sitting out on the porch. Good to see you, Brady. What are you having for dinner tonight? I think we're going to have burgers. Man, come on over. You can have one with us. Instead, now we drive home, we open the garage door, we go and we shut the garage door. You never have to see John if you don't want to. You, well, you might acknowledge him on the porch as you're driving into your garage. Hey. <laughs> Facebook has killed biblical koinonia. <laughs> I, someone yesterday said, uh, Facebook is awesome because I get all these birthday wishes feels a little cheap. Not that I don't enjoy getting them and, and I try to acknowledge it, but it's not the same, is it? It's just not the same. We can't allow that. It's not that that's the enemy. We can't allow that to replace this kind of commitment that it's speaking of. Day by day, attending the temple together, they broke bread in their homes. They received the food that was provided with glad and generous hearts. And here's the worship piece, praising God and having favor 
with all of the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Because who wouldn't want to be a part of that kind of love? That kind of love. And listen, it's our responsibility to love like that. It's our responsibility to love each other that way. It's our responsibility. And I will continue to preach this until Jesus comes back, until we get it right, because I want him to come back and find us loving each other and loving those that are outside of our fellowship. So that day by day, listen, look at an empty seat next to you. Day by day, God puts somebody else in this seat. And I'll, and I'll be honest with you, it's not even so much so that Brady can say, oh, look how my church has grown. How about look how the church has grown? God put us in this place for a purpose. We have, we have plenty of room to grow. Anytime someone tells me, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about, hey, there's plenty of seats. <laughs> Maybe someday we'll get to the place where we say, you know what, there's only a couple seats left in the back. I don't know. Or come sit down on the front with me. You know, that's fine. Whatever. Sit up on the stage. Oh, by the way, um, these vegetables, like I'm ADHD. I'm just distracted by these vegetables. <laughs> these things are amazing. This is what happened when God shows up, all right? This is what happens. Those are huge. I'm going to juggle them. No, I'm not going to juggle them. But these are available. If you want some of these, not right now. Don't, don't rush forward. But after the service, just kind of come up and say, hmm, just take one of those and take them out with you. They're available for you to have, okay? All right, let's empty that thing so the, the generous person who brought those can take their container home. Don't steal the container, all right? That's a pretty fancy little thing there. Don't take that. That would not be good koinonia, all right? Christian fellowship is a key aspect of the Christian life. It's a key aspect of the Christian life. Believers in Christ are to participate together in love, faith, and encouragement. That is the essence of koinonia. Listen, I've been told hundreds of times, Brady, man, I love, I love Jesus. But I just... Some of the people at the church, I don't like them. I don't want to come to church. Matter of fact, can I worship God and not go to church? Can I be a believer? Can I go to heaven and not go to church? And I would say, well, Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Okay, there wasn't no, there wasn't anything right after that said, oh, and attend church at least 42 weeks out of the year. But I would say that you're missing out on the key, a key component of the Christian life when you don't have a connection to other believers. Listen, I used to watch Wild, um, Wild Kingdom. Did you ever watch that show back in the day, you know? And the animal that got, was lagging behind that left and the rest of the group went on without him, that, that, they died, y'all. They got eaten. <laughs> you don't want to be... That person, you know, like, well, you go ahead with that. I don't really need, I don't really need the church. Like, uh, Starbucks, as in conversation with a lady at Starbucks this week. And she said, 
well, I'm kind of shy, I'm kind of introverted. I just kind of like to go to church, sit in the back, and I never really get connected. Nobody knows I'm there. I just kind of come in and I leave. And I don't get involved because we're talking about small groups. And I don't get involved in any of those groups. And I would say, you know what? Let me just tell you that the church needs you. And you need the church. And if you're the big toe of the church and you're not showing up, you're out of balance. You can't walk right. She's like, hmm, I never really thought about it that way. I said, well, in the Bible, it talks about us being all parts of the same body. I said, the church needs you. She's like, That's a, I'll, I'll think about that. Yesterday, I participated in four different forms of koinonia. Actually, five, if you consider the natural koinonia and fellowship that I have with my family. Because if you're married... The, the most, the primary relationship in your life is going to be your spouse, all right? You have biblical fellowship there. I mean, think, it's kind of like a ripple effect. That's, that's pretty, in, I mean, first of all, you have it with God. That's intimate spiritually. And then you have this, spirit, this physical intimacy with your spouse. And then it ripples out then to your children and then to your body, the body of Christ, and then to the world as a whole. Four different types of fellowship, opportunities to fellowship and be involved and participate in life with other people yesterday. The first thing I heard people say was, what can I do to help? We had a little service project here at the school at the thing called the Treasure Chest, where it's a, it's a community it's outreach for people in the school that are maybe under-resourced. We came together, two different churches came together to help move from one location to the other. And so in this idea of what can I do to help, there we were fellowshipping with one another. I had to leave early because I went to another form of fellowship called a funeral. And I watched a family, I have this picture of this family linking arms, standing in front of the casket of their 27-year-old brother, son, boyfriend who ended his life a few days before. And the family fellowshiped together on his 27th birthday planning his funeral it's a different kind of fellowship, but it's the same idea. Actively participating. In that, in that scene, they were grieving. The scene beforehand, we were laughing and working together. But it's still the same. This idea of participating in life together. I watched um, a couple. I officiated a ceremony later on that afternoon. I, went, I did a wedding. And I watched a couple repeat vows and say, I do. He said, I do. She said, I do too. And we were there together. It was a beautiful time of celebration. And then Trish and I were invited to a birthday party slash fireworks extravaganza. This was a neighborhood fireworks display that put Platte Cities to shame. This, was, and I, we were like so close. Literally, you know how they blow up and those things like flare out and they die out before they hit the ground somewhere? Literally, I thought they were going to flare out down on us. That's how close we were to this thing. But it was fun. People we didn't know. Some people that we did know. This was the birthday boy right there. Raise your hand. There you go. There's the birthday boy. Turned 18 yesterday. And we fellowshiped together. Four different forms of actively, actively participating in each other's life. This example of koinonia is found in pretty powerful ways in several passages of Scripture, 
but it's found in the idea of the phrase one another. One another. So turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Well, if you're in Acts, all you got to do is turn a few pages over to the right. Romans chapter 12. So as we move forward with this idea of fellowship and koinonia, the motivating factor, okay, the motivating factor behind this, behind this idea of fellowship and koinonia is love okay once again it has to be has to be love it's my love for the lord which then causes me to have this love for other people i didn't say much but i did post about what happened in dallas and if you read my post it said we have a race issue it's a human race issue and we have humans who are hating other humans. And that's not how God created us to be. It, wrap, it gets wrapped up in these two greatest commandments, loving God and loving others. And this guy, who was a guy I've known for a while, responded, Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got to have love, but, but God's got a judgment and justice and, and truth. And even when the truth hurts sometimes. And I'm like, you know what, pal? <laughs> Listen, if I'm loving the Lord the right way, which then translates into me loving others, I don't care what color your skin is, I'm going to love you. And if I love you, I'm not going to kill you. And you're not going to kill me. It's, it's not that complicated. And he wants to make it so much more complicated than that. Yeah, well, you've got to tell people that God is a God of justice. So you know what, you're right. And we're all going to get what we deserve. All of us. Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And the answer to it is the two greatest commandments, loving the Lord. And if I truly love Jesus and I love others, God's going to take care of the rest. Maybe I'm just too naive. Maybe I'm just too simplistic. But that's the way I've believed for a long time and I don't think I'm going to change. If we're going to do life together, listen, we better love each other. What does that love look like? So Romans chapter 12, let's look at verse 9. Verse 9. What kind of love are we talking about here? It says, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Let it be real. Abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. No, 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 no. You go first. No. You go ahead and have the first piece. It's okay. I'll wait. Remember when I said love is backseat middle? No, you can sit up front, shotgun. That's okay. I'll sit back here. Outdo one another. Like, let it be a contest. No, I'm going to love you more. No, yeah, I'm gonna, I loved you first. I always say that. No, I loved you first. What are you going to say to that, right? I win. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. And it says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Go over to your right just a little bit further to Galatians chapter 5. It goes Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and then it is G-E-P-A. Or no, P-C, I'm sorry, G-E-P-C. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or goats eat popcorn, or goats eat paper cups, or go eat popcorn, or whatever it is that you can remember that by. It's a helpful tool. Know where the, the, even if you didn't learn anything else today at church, you learned that. There you go. It's not a total waste of your time. Galatians chapter 5. It's Paul, once again, writing to the church. He says in verse 13, For we, or for you, were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, there's that motivating factor, through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Do you know that there are churches in the world that we live in that are supposedly centered on the, the Christ-centered love and love for God and love for others that have destroyed themselves because of just devouring one another talking behind each other's back, hating each other because of the color of the carpet that was chosen or the songs that were chosen. And this seems ironic, does it? It seems like, this is bizarre. How is that even possible? How could that happen? But ladies and gentlemen, we're human. <laughs> and sometimes we, we get offended easily and we take that offense and we begin to turn it back on each other and we forget that we are supposed to be devoted to one another and forgiving to one another, and we start devouring one another. And that's what an unbelieving world finds so unbelievable. It's how we can treat each other that way. In Ephesians 4.32 it says, Paul tells the church to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as in Christ or as in God, Christ forgave you. Listen, if we're going to be in relationship to each, and together with each other, there's going to be some offense. We're going to hurt each other's feelings. I'm married. <laughs> I can tell you that happens. But we need to clothe ourselves with compassion, and we need to learn to be quick to forgive. If you've been offended, go to that person. Don't go talk about them behind their back. Go to that person and say, you hurt my feelings. And if you are the one who hurt their feelings, say, I don't know, there's, it's, it's a really quick little phrase you can use. It's pretty powerful. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And then if they ask for forgiveness, it's your responsibility to give it to them. Because God, when you ask him to forgive you, he was willing to forgive you. And he gave it to you. So we must do the same. And then last passage of scripture I want to look at real quick is over to the right. Let's go to to the sea, Colossians. He's telling the church to let the word of Christ dwell in them richly. It's like It's like the roast that is in my house right now that has been sitting in the, the Lipton soup mix. It's just soaking it in. It's marinating. It's dwelling. And when we walk into our house, it's going to be smelling. It's going to smell good. And if, you're, if the word of Christ is dwelling in you and you're marinating in it and you're learning about this love, you're going to smell good too. And he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Yes, he said that we are to warn each other in love. Warn each other in love. Like, hey, brother, man, I, I just don't, I don't think this, how, how, God would not want you to go there. He would not want you to, that this, it seems kind of hateful. Like, where's the love? And we, we call each other out in love. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but people love the protection of the church. They love the direction of the church. But when you get some correction from the church, all of a sudden it's like, well, you don't have the right to judge me. You can't, tell, you can't say that to me. But if it's true, you need to hear it. <laughs> if it's true, you need to hear it. Then it says that we should sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever it is that we do. And this is what biblical fellowship or koinonia looks like. But I'm going to finish up with a couple ideas, a couple thoughts here. This way of living is risky. It's risky. If you're not a risk taker, it might be too much for you. Because if we offer ourselves to one another, like Scripture is talking about, we take a chance of being rejected. Take a chance of being rejected. I don't know how many people don't walk in the doors of the church on Sunday mornings. Like, are they, man, if they knew, or they do know, people already know me, and if I walk in, they're not going to love me. I mean, we, we use that same idea when it comes to peer groups and social situations or whatever. But there should be no room for that in church. The creator of the universe accepts you and loves you. And then he creates us to then love each other. So there shouldn't be this fear of wondering, are they going to love me there? Maybe, we, maybe we're not going to be best friends. Maybe we're not going to spend all this time together. But I'm still going to love you. And you can be, you're welcomed here. But it's risky. 
Just like the lady at Starbucks said, I, I just don't know. I'm afraid, like, if I really get too close, will people just pull away? Like I told her, the church needs you and you need the church. And then lastly, it's costly. It's costly because it's going to require one of your most valuable commodities. And that is your time. We have to invest this treasure that we've been given, this time, into relationships with one another. We can say we love each other, but we need to prove it. And it's proven by, by love, and that love is a four-letter word, and that's T-I-M-E. <laughs> Spend time together. Whether it's in service or at a birthday party or it's... it's um, at a wedding or a funeral or it's church on Sunday morning or it's in a small group. You have options of where you're going to give your time, right? You know that you were called not just to believe, but you were called to belong. You were called to belong. And you've been given a gift. And if you don't share that gift, the rest of us lose. If you don't use that gift to serve in the body of Christ together, the rest of us lose. John was... John called me the other day. We talked about membership. What does membership look like in the Calling Community Church? Do you have to come forward? Do you have to, like in the Baptist Church, you have a letter. Like when you, when you become a member, you get, there's a letter on file. You're a member of that church. How do you join the koinonia of the Calling Community Church? How do you become a part of the church? The first way is you give your heart to Jesus and you immediately become a part of the family of God. All right, that's the most intimate, most important relationship. Then if you've never been baptized, you get baptized. You identify yourself with Christ. You've gone with the old, raised to walk in a new life, saying I'm a part of the family of God. Instant membership into the body. Instant membership. And then after that, you invest your time. Yes, we do ask you to invest your money, but not into our bank account, but it's into his account because you're giving it back to him. He gave it to you in the first place. We are called to be good stewards with it. We are called to use it to love God and love others, and we try to do that in a very effective way. And then lastly, listen, you make a commitment Standing there yesterday at 310, or no, it's later than that because the wedding started later. Let's say 345. And there's a groom here and a bride here. And I said, John, do you promise your unconditional love, pure and enduring, through the good times and the bad? And he says, I do. 
Whitney, do you promise your unconditional love, pure and enduring, through the good times and the bad? I don't know. Let me think about it a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I got to check my calendar, see if there's some other option. You know, I don't know. Let me ask my friends. What do you, what do you think? Should, did she do that? No. You know what she said? I do. There's a groom and his name is Jesus. And I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this. Jesus, do you promise your unconditional love? Pure and enduring through the good times and the bad for the church, your people? What does Jesus say? I've already done it. <laughs> I did. When he hung on the cross and he said it is finished. I've done it. I've been there, done that. And ladies and gentlemen, today... The question for you, the church, do you promise your unconditional love, pure and enduring? Because it's easy to give up when it doesn't go your way. Pure and enduring through the good times. And we've had some great times. And we're going to continue to have some great times. And then through the bad times. We're going to have some bad times. Do you? Are you willing to say, I do? Amen. I do too. And as your pastor, I do. And I need you to commit to that too. It doesn't mean you can't be gone on vacation, you got work, whatever. But listen, but when you're gone, we miss you. And it's not the same. It's just not the same. It's a commitment. Let's worship together. And if you need prayer this morning, could be a number of things. Come up and we'll pray with you. If you want to come up for prayer and then grab some vegetables, you could do that too. <laughs> if you just want to come up and grab some vegetables, you could do that too. Let us pray together. Let us worship together. Let's, let us participate together in biblical fellowship.